What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome to Wellness Inc. I'm Dr. Mike Moreno taking a deep dive into all things wellness after 25 years of practicing medicine. And I'm fascinated with anything and everything that can help you feel better, live healthier, and become the best you possible. I'll be interviewing the most cutting edge experts in the field of wellness and exploring new innovative technologies to help you live your best life. And at the end of each episode, I'll give you my weekly RX, my top tips for you to use right away. Remember to subscribe for free, rate and review my podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. So let's get into this. Our topic, I'm going to leave you on the cliff here for a second, is more timely. It couldn't be more timely than than it actually is. We got the holidays coming up. We got this pandemic upon us. I mean, it's safe to say this world is peaking in terms of its stress. And one of the things, I mean, loneliness, anxiety, you name it. And one of the things that comes to mind, and I'll tell you this, my patients have been telling me this daily, daily, and I mean daily, which is they are struggling with their diet. And it's probably no shock. We talk and you hear this term emotional eating. Well, what does it mean? What, what can we learn about emotional eating? Let me tell you guys, it's a big thing. Doing family medicine for 20 years, I will tell you, this is a big, big thing. And we are fortunate and I'm excited to have a major player. We bring in giants to the show and uh, I am excited to have Cynthia Sass join us. Cynthia, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks, Dr. Mike, for having me, especially with such an important topic. I got to tell you, so I need to, I have to brag about Cynthia because first of all, I'm happy that she's on our show, but this woman does it all. She's three-time best-selling author, writer, recipe developer. I'm going to say chef. I'm going to throw chef in there. (laughs) Um, Nutritionist, which me as a doctor, I'm so envious of because I went to medical school 25 years ago. Like we spent about 10 minutes on nutrition and it's like, now I'm like, uh, wait a minute. We missed like the most important thing, food, food, food. What do we eat? How do we eat it? So we are lucky. I mean, Cynthia's work with professional athletes, Oscar winners, Grammy award. I mean, when you're working with NBA athletes, NHL major league, you're talking the top people. So we're lucky. Everybody sit back and we're going to have a great time. So Cynthia, thank you again. Let's just dive into this emotional eating. This is, we're going to learn a ton here, but let's start with how do you define this? I don't think there's a formal definition, but I would define it as eating triggered purely by emotion. So you mentioned stress, anxiety, it could be boredom, it could be loneliness, even happiness can trigger emotional eating, a celebration. So it's something that you mentioned your patients have been talking to you about this. I'm in private practice. Practically all of my clients have been dealing with emotional eating. And even those that did not struggle with it prior to the pandemic are experiencing regular bouts of emotional eating. So it really has become a topic that we really need to address and help people figure out what they can do about it. Well, and I also, I think about cultural, right? That's a huge thing. You know, yes. I'm, I'm Mexican. I grew up with seven brothers and sisters fighting for food. 
And, you know, it takes me back to the best of times and the worst of times. So, I mean, this is a thing that I've dealt with. I can probably say every patient I see every day, there's some element of this. I mean, food is energy. Food is fuel. What we put in our bodies is so critical. Have you sensed sort of an evolution or a change? I'm imagining the answer is going to be yes. But in what way with the pandemic? I hate using that word, but uh, it's upon yeah. us. So what, yeah. what have you seen that's like maybe different than, than mm-hmm. what you had done maybe say last year and in, in prior years? Right. Well, I think you hit the nail on the head in that we're practically taught from birth to use food emotionally. We do when someone, when something bad happens, we bring food, you know, to someone to comfort them. We bond over food, you know, we celebrate over food, but now what's happening is with this pandemic is there's so much out of our control. And I think people are increasingly turning to food to find a way to eat their feelings, whether it's stuff them down and disconnect from those feelings or address those feelings in in a way that's accessible, that's right within their household, within their fingertips, because they can't maybe cope with stress in other ways that because of the pandemic, they can't engage in right now. So I think it's really increased in its frequency or intensity for a lot of people. Okay. So Cynthia, I have to ask the most obvious questions. We all have guilty pleasures. What is your go-to? What what do you have that Achilles heel that really you go to when when you're struggling? You know, I definitely have more of a salt crunch tooth than a sweet tooth. And I will say that when I'm kind of sad and lonely or you know feeling down, I tend to have a low appetite when I'm agitated or when I'm frustrated or when I'm nervous or anxious that's when I tend to want to crunch, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so it could be, um, you know, it could be popcorn or potato chips or something like along the lines of a salty, crunchy thing. My guilty pleasure, I'm just going to say it, is ice cream. And, and I will tell you, this comes from me being a little kid. When I was a little kid, again, seven brothers and sisters, the house was crazy. My mom and I, when everybody, I'm the youngest, so her and I were very close. We would bond over television and ice cream. And that is what I still go to. The problem is, and here's where I make baby steps in getting better, is that now as an adult, I I like to think of myself as an adult, I go to the freezer, I get my little carton, and I used to sit and eat out of the carton. Bad idea. So what I've done, again, baby steps, is I have a certain little dish that I use. And it's all I get and I serve and I put as much as I can in this little tip. <laughs> and, and that's what I, that's my thing. But I know it's tied to those times with my mom when I was a kid. And that was like my place of comfort. And it still is. And it probably will be until the day I die. And again, if that's, you have yours, I have mine. Everybody has theirs. Doesn't make it wrong. It's just where we are. And moderation, you can't say that word enough, but we all have our guilty pleasures. Yeah, it's not realistic to go through the rest of your life never having ice cream or never having, you know, no. some of your favorite <laughs> foods. It's just about how you and how you do it and how often you do it maybe also. Right. Um and and I think that um one of the biggest lessons, you know, when people come to me for my services, they sometimes are expecting more of a food cop or I'm going to tell them all the things they're doing wrong or what not to eat. And it's actually very much the opposite. It's about developing a relationship with food that is very nourishing and balanced and satisfying and rewarding. And, but also that allows you to feel well, both physically and emotionally. Right. And um, so it's not about the, you know, 
the, so I can still have my, you can cream. still, you can, I love that you have that special dish though. And it is. Um, I have to, otherwise the carton would be gone, but awesome. <laughs> now I feel better. You see, this is all better. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. So let me ask you this, and kind of not really off topic, but what do you think of when someone says, as it applies to emotional eating, mindfulness? How do you integrate, you know, mindfulness other than resilience, I think is the word of the year. Um, And I think mindfulness is a tool. I I use a tool with my patients all the time. I call it M&M. It's not the traditional M&M, but it's mindfulness and motivation, which means take 10 seconds, think about what you're going to do or not do. What is your motivation for doing the right thing? Mm -hmm. My family, my friends, my loved ones, myself, the way I look, I'm retiring. I want to work. I want to feel good. Whatever it is. How do you put mindfulness into this whole idea of, of, you know, these type of eating patterns? Yeah. What I think is that mindfulness is the foundation of change because everything that you just talked about is about awareness. If you're doing a behavior automatically or on autopilot without thinking about it or spontaneously, you don't have the ability to stop and make a conscious choice about how that behavior is connected to certain outcomes. Like you said, your wellness, or even your mental health, or your sleep, or your energy. So mindfulness, I I teach mindfulness meditation to my clients. I do have a little five-minute guided mindfulness meditation on my website, but people can use all the apps, or even YouTube has great mindfulness videos. What I find is that even engaging in mindfulness meditation five minutes a day can raise awareness to the point where when you're reaching for that box of you know cookies or chips or something like that, you become aware of, whoa, what am I doing? I'm doing this because I'm stressed out. I'm doing this because I need a break or I need some comfort. Or I need a reward. And then at that point, you can make a decision. Do I want to go ahead and eat this? Or can I try an alternative coping mechanism that can maybe address that feeling that doesn't involve food? But you, in order to get to that point, you really have to have that tool. And so even five minutes a day has been shown in people to increase the connection with their body So they are more in tune with their body's hunger and fullness cues. And it can also actually reduce anxiety. So it can reduce the need to use food emotionally in the first place. Um, It's such an effective tool and it's very accessible. It's actually free and it only takes five minutes a day. I think it perhaps now more than ever is the most important time for people to start engaging in mindfulness meditation if they haven't tried it before. And the good news about it is there's no wrong way to do it. A lot of people tell me that they tried it and they couldn't calm their mind. They had all these thoughts coming in, right? Shocker, right? (laughs) Yeah. You know, a lot of people have that, you know, that sort of, uh, you know, jumping thoughts, but it's not really about clearing your thoughts. It's about being in the present moment. And when you're in the present moment where you're maybe aware of the temperature in the room, or maybe there's a little breeze or the sounds and how your body is feeling and your breath, When you're in that moment, you're really in the present, you can't get sucked into thinking about the past and you can't get worried about thinking about the future. And it really grounds you. And when you do that, say one time of the day, it can spill over into other times of the day. 
So when you're making decisions about if to eat, what to eat, how much to eat, when to stop eating, right. that can stick with you, um, you know, during those times. So it really does carry over and have this domino effect. It's incredibly effective. I, I love that. Hint, hint, everybody. I'm going to say this again. Mindfulness is the foundation of change. I love that. You should, you should like trademark that statement because it's absolutely so accurate. You couldn't even be more accurate. I mean, we live in autopilot, right? And I, I think we tend to think of efficiency as a good thing, but when we become efficient in how we live our lives, it can actually, when you look at it, we don't think about what we do. It's automatic. And one of the things I tell my patients, I say, you know, how did you get here today? Well, I drove in a car, right? Did you stop at every red light and say to yourself, it is a red light. I have to stop. I'm going to apply the brake. I'm no, you just do it because right. that's what you do. Mm -hmm. But when you just do bad behavior, maybe it's bad eating or bad exercise habits or reaching for a cigarette or whatever it may be. When you don't take time because, you know, we're all programmed you can get into trouble. And, and we see that every day. We've seen this in this epidemic of obesity, cardiovascular disease. I mean, this is the only year, thankfully, that you know this pandemic is going to claim more lives than cardiovascular disease. Every year, 600, 700,000 people die every year from this disease. And to some extent, I think it's very preventable. And we're going to talk more about that. I know yeah. you're super passionate, as am I. So, let me ask a very simple question, but I'm interested coming from you. It will be loaded with information. Why do you think people use, you know, food to soothe this emotional distress that, that they're experiencing? Why food? Well, it's actually very effective. <laughs> and I think it's important to, <laughs> it's important to acknowledge that. that Good if point. You, okay. you know, if, you're, if you're sad or you've had a rough day and you sit down and eat a pint of ice cream, it in the moment it is very comforting and it does feel good. And it does, you know, cause, um, a chemical release in your body that has that calming effect, you know, particularly carbohydrates. So it works in the moment. However, what happens after the fact is there can be, um, emotional distress, whether it's shame and guilt or depression. And of course, as you said, all the physical side effects, whether it's disrupting blood sugar regulation, cholesterol, um, causing bloating, causing fatigue, um, so if people can get to the point where they are making a conscious decision, whether or not they want to use food, then what happens is if they go ahead and eat food with awareness, they do it in a much different way. It, it, there is an exercise that I do with clients sometimes where we do a guided meditation. And then I ask them to take, it could be something like a cracker that we've kind of broken up into little pieces. And then I ask them to eat that, all those pieces as fast as they can. <laughs> and when you, when you do that, you're like, Ooh, this does not feel right. good when you do, you know, when you're worse is when you're on the autopilot and you're just kind of like, you know, shoving the food down. I mean, we've all been probably to the movies where we're eating popcorn while we're watching the movie. And then you realize like, Oh, the popcorn's gone. I didn't even, <laughs> right? because you're so distracted by the movie. And so when we eat with awareness, it's a much different experience, right? But, you know, it's also very socially acceptable to use food emotionally. It, it's really reinforced in a lot of families and, and um, it's definitely reinforced in a lot of advertising. You know, I've seen ads for, you know, treats and sweet things that say you deserve it. You know? Right. <laughs> no, no like absolutely. <laughs> you know, and so it, because it's part of our, how we're raised. I mean, I, I know a lot of my clients tell me that when they were a kid, if they got a good report card, they would get ice cream. Or if they were bullied at school, they would get a food treat. 
Um, so we need to change that a little bit in our culture. That's a much bigger issue. <laughs> but and it's in, true. Uh, You're yeah. abs- I mean, there are so many things that we don't have control over, right? Like media. And t- I mean, unless you're living in a little square box, you're exposed to the elements. And, yeah. and uh, you know, it's like you can't go outside in the weather and get, you know, stay dry. If it's raining, it, you can't avoid it. Yeah. But there are things, and this is kind of like a stress tool that I use with my with my patients. There are two types of stress, avoidable and unavoidable. Unavoidable are things you can't do anything about. It is raining outside, but you can't change the weather. If you can, then, hey, you got a great job <laughs> out of you. If you can't, you can wear a jacket. You can bring an umbrella. You can choose to be cautious when you walk. So it's the idea of what in my world can I control? And what can't I control? And then put your, I think you respect it all, right? But you put your efforts into the things where you're like, okay, I'm going to take an umbrella because it's raining outside. So I think you can apply this concept to emotional eating, but it it's easier said than done, I guess, right? Yeah. And the other thing is, I think you have to make a conscious choice to try out alternative coping mechanisms. So if you have a pattern of turning to food, and some people have a specific pattern with a specific emotion. So for example, if it's anger, or frustration that they're feeling, they might turn to chewy or crunchy foods, whether, you know, it's uh, something salty or something sweet. But if it's maybe sadness and loneliness, it might be more like chocolate and sweets. If you have a specific pattern that you're aware of, and one way you can become aware of that is keeping what I would call a food and feelings journal, where you're not really journaling to police yourself or really even look at how much you're eating, but really why. What were your thoughts and feelings prior to eating that? And why did you choose to eat that? Were you even aware of it in the moment or only after the fact? But then once you become aware of these patterns, you can say, okay, I know that I'm about to reach for food because of XYZ emotion. What can I do instead? And it's a real trial and error process because what might work for me might not work for someone else. For example, for myself, if I'm feeling frustrated or angry or anxious, I like to do something physical, not necessarily exercise, but even cleaning or organizing or going through my closet, you know, something that's more physical in nature versus if I'm sad, I might want to spend time with my cat or I might want to watch a sad movie and cry and let out some of those emotions. Um, You know, you have to kind of test things out to see how close do they come to allowing you to address or express that feeling that doesn't involve eating? And if you can find some of those things, then you may not need to use the food as much. And you've learned an alternative way to address those feelings because ultimately emotional eating doesn't really have to do with the food. It has to do with your feelings. Got it. So where, where do you start? So we have people out there just going, I get it. I got it. It makes sense. We're on this, this hamster wheel and and so, you know, I, I still have faith in humanity. I still feel there are some good people out there with good intentions. Sometimes I wonder, but I think people want to do right by themselves. I think they want to be healthy. They want to be in a better place. I don't think we all are these masochistic people. How do we start somebody? Like, what is step one? What can you say to like, to people who are out there who are like, okay, I want to go down this journey where do I start? Yeah, I think the first step is to stop beating yourself up <laughs> because if that make that creates a lot more negative emotions and it keeps you stuck because if you're beating yourself up and you're berating yourself, you're talking negatively to yourself in your head, it actually just fuels the desire to use food emotionally and kind of keeps you in that vicious cycle. So give yourself a break, acknowledge that eating emotionally did work even if it's temporarily and that's why you were doing it and you were also taught to do it and it was also reinforced for you. So 
you know, let that go and then say, okay, what can I do to address this? Number one, know that it's a step-by-step process. You're not going to be able to change this overnight, but you certainly can undo the pattern and create a new healthy pattern. It's very doable. It just takes time and it takes some patience, just like learning to speak a new language or play an instrument takes practice. This takes practice, although it's a little bit easier than either of those two things, fortunately. But I think people should start by trying to get on a regular eating schedule. That's very helpful. So for some of my clients, it might be eating breakfast within an hour of waking up and then eating their remaining meals about three to five hours apart, and then letting themselves have about three hours between the last time they eat and the time they go to bed. So that might be something like breakfast at eight, lunch at noon, a snack at three o'clock and dinner at six o'clock. Getting on that schedule and even having to set your cell phone alarm to go off to remind you to stop and eat can really help your body get into a rhythm of um, becoming more connected with hunger and fullness cues. What I'm seeing a lot of right now is very erratic and chaotic eating where people are grazing all day or maybe they have breakfast and then their next meal isn't until eight hours later or sometimes they're eating five times a day and sometimes they're eating once a day. You know, getting on a regular schedule can really help. And then finding some, one of the, my specialties with my clients is giving them go-to meals that are very easy, quick, right. healthy, but also satisfying. Because we all know, you know, especially in your, your patients and my clients, that when people try to eat healthy, sometimes the meals that they make aren't very enjoyable. They don't look forward to them and they're right. very satisfying. So right. we have to fix that. And that's why I have the culinary training that you mentioned, because I want people to have healthy meals that taste good. And so when you have that, you know, you, you said earlier, I think you think people want to feel good. That's been my experience as I well. I think so, right? Yeah. I, I really do. When you experience how good you can feel, whether it's starting to get more sleep or starting to eat healthier on a consistent basis... You, it's just such an amazing feeling that you say, wow, I did not know I could feel this good. And now right. oh, I can feel this way. I don't want to go back to how I felt before. But it, you know, it is a commitment to awareness and maybe, again, the mindfulness meditation daily, getting on that schedule and having some meals that you can put together that are very quick and easy, that are healthy and satisfying, that all of it will um, reduce your need to use food in that emotional way. And it will also help raise your awareness about in the moment, if you do want to follow through with that. And as you mentioned, connecting that behavior to its outcome. So for example, I've had a lot of clients will tell me that they eat, I'm sorry, they drink caffeine late in the day. They know that it's going to interfere with their sleep, right? And not getting enough sleep, waking up groggy is one of the worst feelings, right? You just going to kind of wreck your day. It's going to zap your energy, your mental focus, even your mood. You can end up kind of snapping at people, not having the energy to get any physical activity. If that's been part of your plan, that may go by the wayside, but they'll do it anyway because they want that immediate buzz, you know, or that immediate reward from the sweetened coffee or something like that. Or maybe it's just a habit they've gotten into of having a coffee, you know, late in the afternoon. So if you're, if you're aware in that moment that, okay, if I have this coffee, it's good, I'm going to enjoy it. It's going to taste good, but I know that tomorrow I'm going to feel pretty right. bad. Is it a right? good day? I mean, that's why I tell my patients, <laughs> listen, think before you eat, think before you grab for a cigarette, think before you exercise. And listen, we're all guilty of making the wrong decision from time yeah, to time. Yeah. I'm, la- I'm thinking of two funny stories. One, you said, yeah, you have to make meals that are actually good that are healthy and that you like. I can't tell you how many times I go into the nurse's station or not the nurse stations, but our lounge where a lot of people will eat. Well, nowadays, no one's back there, but back in the day. And you would, I would see someone 
choking down a meal and just with misery on their face. And I'm like, what are you doing? They're like, oh, I'm on a diet or I'm on this eating program. I'm like, let me know how long that lasts. Because I mean, day one, they're like miserable. So you have to make food taste good. I, one of my dearest friends in the last two, three years has gone from eating meat five days a week, at least to full whole food plant-based. It took him wow. three years. I, I, I applaud him. Believe me. I, I'm, I, I like to use the term plant forward, mm -hmm. meaning I'm heading that direction, but my guilty pleasures, like we said, we all have them, whatever they are. And it may be culturally based. It may be just something that we, we know brings us pleasure. But if you give yourself a chance to make the right decision by being mindful for just a few seconds or a minute or whatever it takes, you still may say, yeah, I'm still going to eat this. That's okay. Yeah. But if you make, if you start to give yourself that chance to say, you know what? I'm not going to do it this time. You start to get a winning record and you get the winning record. You start to head down that path and we live in a healthier world. So I, yeah. I mean, everything you're saying is spot on. I ask my clients to give it a try just as an experiment. Think of it as an experiment. This isn't something that you have to commit to for the every day for the rest of your life. Right. It's not about being perfect. It's right. not about being good versus bad or right versus wrong because those judgmental terms tend to you know, create negative emotions. And if you do end up giving into the sweet treat or the coffee or the wine or whatever it is, again, don't beat yourself up because that doesn't really do any good. It's about learning from that experience. When you Sometimes I'll ask my clients, okay, if you could go back and do that same thing over again, what would you do differently and why? And sometimes they'll just say, you know, I would, if I don't, you know, when you don't have an alternative coping mechanism that works just as well as food, it's like pulling the rug out from under you. You know, you're, you're, you're clinging on to something that you need emotionally. And if you don't have something else, it's like you're lost, right? So that's why we keep going back to food in a lot of ways, because it's right there. It's accessible. It's affordable. It's effective. It's a pattern, all of that. So you've got to make a commitment to try out some alternative things and find something else that works just as well. If, you know, maybe, maybe even not as well, but well enough to get you through those moments, right? But if you do end up giving in to the old pattern, you absolutely can't beat yourself up. You just have to say, all right, what can I learn from this? But I love what you said about giving yourself the chance or the opportunity to experience what it is like to not follow through with that. And so, right. you know, because then you, like you said, you build a track record and you start to get some more confidence. You start to get more experience with the alternative and it starts to feel good. And, you know, in that, in the moment, it's very difficult because in the moment we want what we want right then. And we're disconnected from thinking about how we're going to feel tomorrow right. and that, you know, because the intensity of maybe of the emotion is so great. So it's almost like a balloon that's expanding, expanding, expanding. Once the emotion gets so you know intense, we don't almost have a choice, but then to follow through with the old pattern that works in that moment. So the other part of it is maybe not letting the uh, emotions get so intense. And like you said, some of that's out of our control, what's going on in the world, or maybe with other family members that we don't have control over. But what we can do is practice those ways of stress management, which meditation is one of them. And there are some other really effective ones too that are accessible, even if you're kind of stuck at home. That can really help too, because if the emotion is not so intense, the need is not so great. Right. And, you know, to your point that you're making a lot of people, unfortunately, and, and you know, you hear people joke about it, but it's not really a joke and people are using alcohol 
yeah. right now Big to time. deal with what's going on. You know, you're stuck at home and you know that you hear people just say these things, but let me tell you, these patterns of behavior that are being molded right now may have long lasting impacts on these people's lives for a lifetime. And mm -hmm. so, I mean, what do you, how would you get people out of that pattern? If that's, you know, I'm sure there are people out there listening that are like, yeah, that's me. What do you say to these people? Or how do you say, hey, you know, here's some other thoughts. What would you say about that? Yeah. I mean, again, acknowledging that it can be effective in the moment of reducing it, you know, anxiety um, and giving you that kind of calm sensation, but it can interfere with sleep. As we know, uh, right. typically, even if you fall asleep faster, you're not going to get deep, restorative, high quality sleep. Um, and that can affect your health mentally and physically. So a lot of times when I talk to my clients about it, I ask them, can you cut back? Can you reasonably cut back? For example, maybe not drink alcohol during the week, limit it to the weekends, or maybe pick two days, you know, some people will pick Wednesday and Saturday or something like that. If you can't do that, if you feel like you cannot cut back, then it's time to think to seek professional help, whether it's your own family physician or a mental health professional. Because at that point, if you feel like it's beyond your control to reduce your consumption, it's probably not something that you can address on your own. Yeah. And to that point, exactly. At what point do you tell your clients, hey, you know, this is, this is getting a little bit you know, sketchy, this is slippery ice. You know, I really think you need to step up. I mean, at what point do you see this in the, in the clients that you work with where you're saying, Hey, you know, maybe this is to, it's time to take it to another level. I mean, how do you know when are, am I there? You know, how do you know yeah. that? I think when it's interfering with your ability to kind of engage with everyday life, like if you're finding yourself avoiding people, avoiding situations, avoiding work, missing work, you know, sleeping, longer, not sleeping enough, you know, when, when you know really that where you're at right now is, is not normal. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's either taking up too much of your time and energy, or it's zapping your energy to the point where you're not engaged with life, then you really need to seek professional assistance with that. When, and, you know, you, you bring up sleep, which I, I, you know, I always joke around with my friends and patients and well, my patients are my friends, but I, I always say to them, I'm like, remember when you were like eight years old and you kissed your parents goodbye and you climbed in bed and you laid your head down on the pillow and you slept for like 10 straight hours. Like I would give anything to have a night of sleep like that again. Yeah. I, I mean, sleep is so critical to so many things, to your overall wellness, to, to your energy, to your efficiency, to your ability to perform as personally and professionally. It is so to losing weight. People yeah. don't recognize how important it is. So all of these things are, God, so important. And, and I mean, there are just so many things. Let me ask a favor. What would you say? How would you wrap this all up? How would you say this in, in a quick sentence to our listeners? What would you say to do? How do, how, you know, what's the one place to start? I think exactly what you said is, is start with one thing. You know, sometimes when people think like, oh my gosh, I have to, now I have to do all these things and I'm, I've already got so much on my plate and I'm, you know, my kids are home from school on their Zoom calls and I'm working, right. you know, there's so much going on right now that people are juggling. And so it can be very overwhelming to think about even changing your patterns or addressing what's going on with you. Some people right. will deprioritize themselves because they're prioritizing other family members and other situations, but just start with one thing. Even if it's just say, you know what, I'm going to start drinking more water. I'm going to start drinking 64 ounces of water a day. And once that becomes a part of your new normal routine, 
then maybe you say, okay, that's, that's just what I do now. I'm not right, having I got to, that wired. Now, right. Now, exactly. Now, now I pick another one. Now, maybe the next one is I get on a regular eating schedule. And then Love once it. that becomes, and then you pick another one, maybe I'm going to start introducing more vegetables or plant-based meals. And you just kind of do a stepladder approach to where, you know, when you do these things, they're in a, in a step-by-step way, they're much more sustainable. They're not as overwhelming. They're more doable and you can stick with them because ultimately, as you know, probably better than anyone with your patients, consistency is key because that's it. What, yeah. What people do the majority of the time for, you know, weeks and months and years is really going to determine their health outcomes later down the road and their longevity, their wellness, their disease risk. So things that you can stick with are ultimately what's going to help you mentally and physically the most. And it doesn't have to be a 180 that you change everything overnight. Just right. start, with, start with one thing and just right. pick one, pick one that you, you feel is either the easiest or the most potentially helpful to you personally. I, I mentioned water because a lot of my clients will say, Oh, that's, that seems easy. And I actually right. think, actually think that would help me. Maybe I wouldn't have as many headaches or I would have more energy or I would maybe have better digestive health and they do. Right. And it doesn't and then, take long. Right, it, I right, mean, yeah, you know, yeah. I think 85% of us walk around dehydrated. I'm still convinced myself included again, sometimes we're not <laughs> perfect. So Cynthia, I can't thank you enough. I could talk to you for, I have so many other things I want to talk to you. We may have to bring you back because I'd love to. Yeah, there's so much going on. Where can people find you? Give us all the, the information or how can we find you? So uh, thank you so much, Dr. Mike, for having me. I would love to come back. It's been such a pleasure talking with you, but my website is just my name, CynthiaSass.com. So it's like sassy without the Y on the end. <laughs> and then um, I'm from there. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram and I love to uh, connect with people on social media. So if you can find my website, you can find me. And I would love to connect with some of your listeners uh, via social media or even through my website. I have a contact form. Wonderful. Cynthia, thank you so, so much. Thank you. Well, it doesn't get any better than that, guys. Got great stuff. Weekly RX. All right, so let's get to this. We got to wrap things up. But now for the Weekly RX. One is going to be uh, obvious, I hinted at it earlier, and that was, I'm going to take some words from Cynthia. Mindfulness is the foundation of change. So important, such a huge statement with so much behind it. Establish an eating schedule, get on a regular schedule, make sure you have the right foods, foods you like, foods that work for you, and start with something, one thing. I think Cynthia mentioned that, I think it's important. You know, you want to pick a battle that you think you can win. You, we talk about sports or things like that. Listen, the World Series champions, the NFL Super Bowl champions, they don't win every game with exception of one team in the NFL. You know, you're going to lose some games and that's okay. You can still win with your health. You can still win whatever you're trying to do. Just do it step by step. So, don't forget to subscribe for free, download and listen to Wellness Inc. with me, Dr. Mike Moreno on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Follow me at The 17 Day Diet. This is our last show for 2020. And thank you so much for listening to Wellness Inc. I want to wish you all happy holidays and a happy, healthy new year. I'll be back with new shows in January 2021. This podcast has been produced by Stage 29 Productions for entertainment purposes only. The contents of this podcast does not constitute medical or professional advice. The use of any information provided during this podcast is at the listener's own risk.
For medical or other advice appropriate to your specific situation, please consult a physician or other trained professional. This podcast does not reflect the opinions of this company, any of its parent companies, affiliates, subsidiaries, promotional sponsors, or advertising agencies. The views expressed by the hosts and guests are their own and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. For more information, please go to stage29.tv.